Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Jesus is alive. This is the greatest news the world has ever heard. And because Jesus is alive, this changes everything. It may surprise you to hear this, but it's not Jesus' life that saves you. Nor is it his words or even his teachings. You are saved through Jesus' death and his resurrection. That is what saves you. Jesus is alive and this changes everything. Because if Jesus is alive, if he conquered death and fulfilled the promises that he said he would, then we have to take seriously everything else he has said. This is why the words of Jesus matter. This is why we've been leaning in to the words of Jesus throughout the last few weeks. And if you've been journeying with us the last few weeks, we've been looking at the words of Jesus, give up, pick up, and follow. Now, if you're new with us tonight, that's okay. Welcome. I hope you find yourself right at home. But make no mistake, this message is for everyone. And I'm thrilled that you found your way here tonight as we look at Jesus' final and arguably most important appeal in his threefold invitation to discipleship, to following him, which is to give up your own way, to pick up your cross, and to follow me. So why does Jesus invite us to do this? It's simply because we are all disciples of something or someone. We all worship something or someone, but the truth is we might not even be aware of it yet. So Jesus' call to discipleship is a bit of a wake-up call for us. He, he's startling us. He's, he's making us conscious. He's, he's wanting us to become aware of who and what we are choosing to worship in this life, who or what we are choosing to follow. And Jesus invites you to follow him. He's inviting you to choose life, life here and now and forevermore, eternally. He, he's, he's inviting you to choose a life that's marked by freedom, love, joy, hope, peace, satisfaction. You see, Jesus offers us life and life to the full. And as we're going to see tonight, it's a new life that's marked by resurrection power. So how do we get this new life? Well, as Jesus says in Mark 8:34, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, pick up your cross, and follow me. So how do we follow Jesus? Now, here's where I believe things get interesting because there's a bit of a, a before and after tension at play. You see, Jesus said these words before people knew he was going to die. Because in their mind, messiahs don't die. Messiahs don't get killed. Yet, we're reading these words 
on the other side, after things have happened. So there's this bit of a tension. What do the words mean before his death and what do they mean after his death? Give up, pick up, and follow. Action, behavior, and habit. I believe with this threefold invitation, Jesus, he's getting at the heart of things. He's getting at the heart of change and life transformation. It's not this one-time thing that you do. It's this whole new way of being. See, Christianity isn't about the things you don't do. It's about who you walk toward. So how do we follow Jesus? The first way is we follow Jesus as a way of life. The word disciple occurs 269 times in the New Testament. 269 for the word disciple, while the word Christian is found only three times. And what I believe this means is that Christianity in the Bible is not simply believing one set of ideas over another set of ideas or, or some doctrines over another. It's not simply about saying a prayer or raising your hand. It's about following Jesus as our way of life his teachings, his words, and his way of life as Lord, teacher, and leader. It's about being a disciple, a follower, a student of Jesus, and learning to live in this new kingdom with Jesus as the true king of the world. Jan David Hatinga writes, Jesus is after followership. He's not merely interested in saving our souls, meeting our needs, and healing our hurts. He intends that we operate under his authority for the rest of our lives and for all eternity. Who are you following? When Jesus says, follow me, he's saying, stop following anything and everything else. Follow me. Put me first. Make me king of your life and the true king of the world. Everything else about you and what you do flows out of me flows out of the relationship that you have with me. Putting me first is, as your new way of life is for your benefit. You see, most religions try to externally motivate you to change, and they do so through fear or pride. Tim Keller describes it like this. People typically try to instill honesty in others this way. If you lie, you'll get in trouble with God and other people. Or if you lie, you'll be like those terrible people. You're better than that. You see, what he's getting at is the motivation for change is fear. Oh, you do that, you're going to get in trouble. Or it's an appeal to pride. You'll be like those people. But the problem with both of those is that they're self-centered motivations. And this is why they don't work. This is why change isn't lasting. Rather, they end up crushing you under the weight of fear and shame. So what's the other option? True and lasting change, the, the change at the heart level, the level of our deepest desires comes through positive motivations, not negative ones. Even modern psychology backs this up. You see, Jesus knows that our highest love needs to be God so that his other two commands, give up your own way and pick up your cross, 
are desirable and even possible. We can do those. It enables us to, to follow through on those because of our love for God, because he is first. He is our highest priority. The commands to give up your own way and pick up your cross, dying to the dream and the vision of the good life, well, it's pretty depressing if you just leave it there. If you just say, give up your own way, pick up your cross, done. Like, why? Well, this is where he continues and says, follow me, because I'm inviting you to step into this new way of life, this new way of living, this new way of being. And when you're motivated by a new and better desire, it gives you a new purpose in life. It, it, one that fills your heart and enables you to sacrifice because this new way of life with Jesus is more precious than life itself. And this is why our mission as the Well Community Church is to make Jesus known so that lives and communities are transformed. Because it's not just about making your life better, making our community better. That's not possible without Jesus. We desire to make Jesus known so that he will transform lives, so that he will transform our community. Because we have experienced God's transformative work of restoring, reconciling, and renewing all things everywhere. And we believe that he is still up to something today. That is why we exist as the well. In other words, we follow Jesus as our treasure. This is what helps enable us. Paul writes to the Philippians, I once thought these things, he's talking about the religious laws, were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. You see, many people have stopped claiming to be Christians, and I believe it's because of the weight of religion the burden and the difficulty of giving up your own way, of picking up your cross, perhaps out of fear and shame. But I believe that it's also because they've lost Jesus as their treasure. The motivation that enables the sacrifice, they've lost it, or perhaps they never truly found it. I've shared this before, but I believe I need to share this again. But I'll never forget going through burnout in ministry. I had been a youth pastor for five years. And at the end of my time at that church, I, I was fried. I was done. And I'd always had this little thing written on my desk that your relationship with Jesus is your ministry. But since I had stepped out of ministry to take a break and do some more studies, I kind of thought, okay, it's my time. I can put some of those things on hold as well. But I ended up meeting a spiritual director and I poured out my heart to her and I, I asked her for her wisdom and she told me, stop doing whatever it is that makes you feel like a better Christian and simply lean into Jesus. Now, I'm not gonna lie, it's even somewhat unnerving verbalizing that and articulating that now, but right away, 
that that's just what my soul needed to hear and and I stopped doing daily devotionals okay good I can I can be done with those and I stopped reading my Bible well I need a break from this I've done it for five years and I stopped pretending like I had it all together and whoo boy did I let loose like, I let Amanda know what was really going on. Okay, I don't have to pretend like I have it all together now, like I'm the good Christian boy who reads my Bible every day. I'm going to let her know how I really feel. And, oh man, did I sure let God know that as well. But the important part of what Dorothy told me was to lean into Jesus. She didn't say to just stop doing those and go my own way. No, she said, stop doing those things that make you feel more important, that make you feel like you're earning your Christianity. Lean into Jesus. So how do I do that? Well, the only way I knew was to pray and talking with him. So I began to talk and talk and talk. And once I felt like I had finally exhausted everything and said everything that I wanted to, I began to weep. Like, I just began to cry. I was broken. And it was at that time I began hearing Jesus speak. He was assuring me that everything's okay. Assuring me that he still loves me. Assuring me that he's still present with me, regardless of how much anger and frustration and resentment I had. And do you want to know what happened? I rediscovered my love for him. Seriously, by letting go of all these things I thought I had to be doing, I discovered my love for Jesus. I rediscovered my longing to spend time with him. I, I rediscovered Jesus as my treasure and that he is what I want. Not the, not the Bible readings and everything else, but the only way to actually get to know him better was to do all those things. But you see, I think I had the cart in front of the horse. I was trying to do all those things to, to love Jesus better, but really I needed to, to view him and to see him as my treasure. And as I saw him that way, all of these other things came into place. I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to spend time with him daily. It was no longer about having to do these things. I longed to do them. Rediscovering Jesus as my treasure enabled me to give up my own way of doing things. And that was humbling. It enabled me to pick up my cross, to make sacrifices, because what I had with him was worth more than anything else I had ever experienced. And it's what continues to enable me to follow him. In fact, looking back now, I believe it was during this season of being in the wilderness that God helped prepare me to plant a church here in Binbrook. Because he was showing me that my call wasn't just to keep a religious system going. That's what Jesus was against. It was to help people discover what I had learned. That Jesus is what matters most in all of life. Period. That Jesus is our treasure. And when we discover that that Jesus is our treasure, that everything we could ever want is found in him, then everything else will fall into place and we'll be able to do things we never thought possible. You see, as you make Jesus your treasure, as you continue to walk toward him, to lean into him, to truly treasure him and the life that he offers you, this is what will enable you to let him take the lead. 
which is another way we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus as our leader, as the true king of the world. Hatinga, who wrote the book Follow Me and explores the loving leadership of Jesus, says this, the ultimate issue in the universe is leadership. Who you follow and what directs your life is the single most important thing about you. Because as I said earlier, we all follow something. We all worship someone or something. But Jesus asks us to follow him. This is the essence of being a disciple, a student, a learner of Jesus. And here's what I love about Easter. Christianity is not based on someone who worked in the past. It is based on the resurrected and risen Jesus who is alive and who is at work today. This is what sets us apart from other religions, such as Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, is that Christianity isn't about ancient teachings recorded in a book. It's that we worship a savior who was killed, but conquered the grave and is alive and who offers to lead us and guide us daily. Jesus longs to be with you daily. And as we submit to Jesus as teacher and as guide, as our leader, his views will begin shaping our views, our views of God, salvation, sex, ethics, money, parenting, politics, you name it. When we allow Jesus to lead, he promises freedom. It's in Jesus that we find this meaning to life that, that we're, we've always been looking for, that, that we're always looking for, but we couldn't find on our own. We find that in the person of Jesus. So 1 John says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Jesus is our way of life. He is our treasure. He is our leader. And this sounds easy, and I believe many of us want to follow Jesus, but at the same time, man, I believe many of us struggle with following him as our leader and Lord. You see, we struggle with the reality that being a disciple means accepting Jesus' discipling, his teaching, his way, and that it applies to every aspect of our lives. Like, I think sometimes we're tempted to take little bits. Okay, I like this part of Jesus and this part, but he's saying, no, 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 you need to give up your own way. You need to pick up your cross. You need to follow me completely. You can't pick and choose. And I love what Jesus did to show us how discipling works. He called 12 people together from different walks of life and said, look, follow me. Give up what you're doing, follow me. And he brought them together, not just to teach them about discipleship, but to actually disciple them, to show them what was expected, how to achieve it, to learn from some successes, but more <laughs> than many failures. Jesus befriended them and did life alongside them, eating, sleeping, breathing, every moment together for three years. And I believe this is the point that discipleship takes time. It's not something that you can say, yep, I'm a disciple, 
boom, got it, perfect, nailed it. Give me the test. No, following Jesus is actually doing life together with Jesus. That's why I say it's not just the raising the hand. It's not a one-time prayer. It's doing daily life with Jesus. It's a daily commitment to learning, to growing, and yes, even failing. Jesus didn't come to give us a systematic theology book. He wanted his disciples, including us, to become experts in his way of living this new kingdom that he invites us to step into with him as the true king of the world. You see, Jesus wants us to follow him and become masters in this new way of life and being in the world, to extend his grace and love to others, to help bring about the renewal and reconciliation and redemption of all things everywhere. And just like we see in the 12 disciples, the only way we get there is through practice and lots of failure. It's okay. It's not about getting things right all the time. This is the beauty of grace. That grace is opposed to earning, but not to effort. The only way to become an expert in the way of Jesus is through time through energy, and through effort. You have to be willing to commit. Daily commitment is the only way discipleship is going to work. Jesus invites us to give up our own way, pick up our cross, and follow him. And this means in sacrifice and even in death. Death to our own ways, death to our desires, death to the vision of the good life. But it also means following him in resurrection power. You see, Jesus said, follow me before his death. So he expects that sacrifice, that willingness to say, I will follow Jesus to the cross. But Jesus conquered the grave and Jesus invites us to still follow him. And we are invited into his resurrection power, into resurrection living, which changes everything. And when we surrender our lives to Christ, we are filled with a new spirit, the Holy Spirit, which he promises to give us. And it's the spirit who leads us into truth, who continues to teach us and remind us of the words of Jesus and who empowers us to participate in God's ongoing work of renewing and redeeming all things everywhere. We can't do it on our own. You can try and white knuckle it as hard as you can, but it's not going to last. It's through following Jesus and receiving this new spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we are enabled to give up our own way and to pick up our cross. So tonight, Easter weekend, we celebrate that Jesus is alive. And the truth of this changes everything. Jesus invites us to follow him. It's not about who starts the race but who finishes. So I have to ask, will you follow Jesus as your way of life, as your treasure, as your leader? Will you choose to put one foot in front of the other daily, empowered by the grace, love, and voice of Jesus? Will you choose to wake up each morning and say, 
I choose to follow you again today. And I know you might be thinking, yeah, I, I get that I need to believe, but I just have, I have so many doubts, so many questions. That's okay. This is another beautiful part of the good news of Jesus. If you fall off a cliff and you reach out and you grab a branch, yet you doubt that the branch can hold you, does your doubt have any effect on whether or not it can? Absolutely not. And the same is true when we put our faith in the work of Jesus. Sure, we may have doubts, we may have questions, but that doesn't change anything. What matters is the object of your faith. Tim Keller writes, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that saves you. It's not the depth and purity of your heart, but the work of Jesus on your behalf that saves us. Jesus is alive and you are invited to give up your own way to pick up your cross and to follow him. Will you choose to follow him tonight, this Easter weekend, and step in to a new life marked by resurrection power? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for your sacrifice and proving once and for all that you are God. And I pray that tonight we all choose to follow you, whether we've been choosing this a million times over throughout our lives, or whether it's the first time we're saying, yes, I will follow Jesus. I pray that we all commit our lives to following you, to we surrender our life and step into this new way of living, to, to follow you as our treasure and to follow you as our leader. God, continue to teach and guide us in your ways so that we can see you at work transforming our lives and the lives of those around us and our communities. God, we celebrate you tonight and the work that you did that made it possible for us to receive this new life. Thank you. We love you, Lord. And we surrender ourselves to you now. We choose to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.